2: Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST.
1: I'm my Boris and this is Straight Talk. Why you do it then? (laughs) I think... (laughs) Good question. I'm going to take you live now. Following the arrest of two men
0: on charges of insider trading. Of approximately $7 million. A man obtained information from the Australian Bureau of Statistics employee, and he used that information to enter into foreign exchange to The first, you know, five minutes of speaking to him. Essentially, we decided that I'd be pleading guilty. In that same five-minute conversation, it was like, you'll definitely be going to, to prison. That's when things really started to sink in.
1: How did you find it? He was scaling for himself.
0: Uh, I found out the day I was arrested. And yeah, that's when I heard about the, you know, seven and a half million dollars uh, of, of, of profit. expected to see an equal profit sharing? We agreed to 200 grand. All together. 200 grand over 12 months. You know, he's saying, We'll keep it small under the radar.
1: You forgive forgiving? <sighs> Chris Hill, welcome to Straight Talk, mate. Thanks, sir. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. You've watched a couple of episodes? Yeah, I've watched
0: uh, watched a few, um, listened to quite a few more. I actually only just. Found out that the whole thing was recorded. I'd always just listen to it on on Spotify. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, someone told me that- It's video. That's video. So yeah,
1: yeah. I was we do everything here, mate. Like, right. uh, so, <laughs> okay. So we've got uh, Chris Hill here sitting in front of me. Uh, and you know, I've talked to lots of different people who've done lots of weird and wonderful things in their life, but I really haven't spoken to anybody yet who's had the experience that you had that is- I guess you're still a young man. but it was a relatively young man at that time, um, being lured by the prospect of making money into disclosing something you should never have disclosed. So, and then of course you get caught and you get convicted and you did your did your time, and now you're out. And you're do you do a lot of speaking around this? And you do a lot of speaking to young people too, especially about the the mistakes you've made.
0: Yeah, I have done, uh, I've done. I've done. Uh, a few in the past, um, some corporate stuff, but um, I like doing the stuff for universities, younger people, um, trying to maybe put a little bit of, you know, fear of God into them that you know these sorts of things can actually happen, um, and I really enjoy seeing the, you know, the reactions, seeing people understand that this like it is real, like it happens.
1: Yeah, uh, and it's, uh,
0: it's quite fulfilling.
1: You know we, we, we watch the movie The Wolf of Wall Street and we watch the movie greed and all those sorts of things and uh, to some extent we don't we, we don't have that type of thing happen much here in Australia We're certainly not on the on the fantastic basis but for someone like me who's really interested in what happens in the um, Australian Bureau of Statistics, what happens at the Reserve Bank and where interest rates are going to go and what's going to happen with the Aussie dollar and how data can affect these things um, and or Having the right amount of data can put you in a superior position. Like to me, I'm fascinated. Okay, I want to find out who Chris Hill was prior to all these things happening. Like, what's the deal? Where did Where did you go to school? What was your deal? Normal family life, or were you one of these corrupted kids? But what was the deal?
0: <laughs> no, look, I think the uh, I think the Chris Hill back then is the same Chris Hill now, pretty much. Um, you know, I had a pretty pretty normal life growing up. Um, you know went uh, went to school in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne um, and then moved to um, a private school in, in that same area. Um, really enjoyed school was uh, you know was very athletic loved the sports. Um, I found school pretty easy. Um, I you know managed to get really good grades. Um, mathematics was always just I could just do it. Um, English in that wasn't wasn't great at. Uh, but still did okay. But um, maths and science and anything to do with with numbers and things that you could have a definitive answer, that sort of thing for me just I found pretty easy.
1: And that got you into university.
0: Yeah, so that got me that got me into university. Went to Monash where I did um, double degree in commerce and economics. Um, and that uh, that was probably when I got to uni. I turned eighteen because um, I was only seventeen when I started. And once I turned eighteen and started. Started going out, started driving, had a lot more freedom. I think the grades suffered a little bit. Um, I was uh, yeah, probably not as concerned about the, um, the marks and things that I had been at high school. Uh, and I, had, you know, I just had a really good time at uni, but, um, you know, but did well enough to, you know, thankfully, to get offered a job at, uh, at the ABS.
1: Yeah, so university has a way of, um, when you first go to university, especially if you come from a private school environment and a good family... Um, it tends to challenge your reliance upon structure because um, there's no structure at university, basically. Yeah. You want to fuck it up, you fuck it up. <laughs> if you want to do well, you do well. Um, and you were doing a double degree, which is uh, probably something you thought, oh, well, I'm sweet. I've always done well in my exams. I'll be all right. I'll leave things to the last minute. But, you know, you get challenged. I mean, to be honest, it happened to the exact same thing happened to me in my first semester at university. What were you hoping to do from the university degree that you were doing? You say you got a job offer from the ABS, but what do you come out as after having done commerce and economics? Yeah, so, so
0: I think the, the economics side, um, I didn't enjoy as much. So I steered more towards the, the finance, which is obviously like under the commerce branch, um, as well as econometrics, which is um, sort of cross between statistics and economics. Um, and that's where I really enjoyed, um, and I found it, you know, as I said, with my maths background, I found that really rewarding, and it all made sense to me in that sense. Um, I through uni, like I wanted to go into high corporate finance, banking, that sort of thing. Um, well, I just didn't have the grades. Um, basically, you know, these for the for the top tiers that I. You know, envision myself going to you know, like probably everyone does when they go into finance.
1: Um, you might have in those days, Pete Miller, Mutual, Bryce, Waterhouse, you exactly, know, yeah. UBS, yeah. Bank, whatever.
0: Yeah, um, but uh, like I came to terms with that fairly quickly because, um, and I just you know, I just knew that um, I just keep doing what I was doing and that I'd I'd, I'd get somewhere um, at the end of it.
1: So the the ABS, Australian Bureau of Statistics, recruits out of universities, lots of students. Did you end up getting an internship or yeah, they offered you a job?
0: Ah, uh, no, it was just a, a straight
1: job. Yep. And yep. what was your job? Um so, initially?
0: Yeah, so I started um, basically in the what they call time series analysis. So basically they um, there's a section that gathers all the all the data, does all the surveys, um, and brings it all into all the numbers, et cetera. And just as raw data. Now what time series analysis does is basically turns that data into something that is actually usable by the by the public. So, um, if you think of retail sales, for example, there's no point saying, "Oh, uh, you know, the sales have gone up from August to December because December's fucking Christmas, hmm. right?" So sales always go up. Course they're go. Yeah. So seasonal analysis, in the name of it, we adjust for the seasons. We adjust for. Um, sort of one-off events and
1: things. Like you might be adjusting for Black Friday, for example.
0: Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so um, or something catastrophic happens somewhere, causes a massive spike in the data. Um, we sort of remove that spike to, to give an underlying number. that's sort of actually,
1: normalize it.
0: Normalize it, yeah. Give a number that's comparable um, across the time periods.
1: Yeah, right. Okay, and if I just, just before you move on from there, Go back to university just for a moment. We meet lots of different people at university who we didn't meet at school. We build out a brand new network. Who did you meet during that period?
0: Um, I probably had I probably had five or six sort of reasonably close mates at university, but I didn't um, I didn't really socialise um, with those guys that much. Um, I I've always been really close with my high school mates, and still to today. Um, you know, all my best mates are all, you know, from, from year seven, you know, I've known them all for 20 plus years. Um, so yeah, there was probably four of us that sort of hung out. Um.
1: Anyone in particular though?
0: Yeah. So Lucas, um, yeah, obviously I met Lucas there and he, um, yeah, he was an interesting guy. What was he
1: doing? The same course as you?
0: Yeah, he was doing the same course. um, Double major? Yeah, exact, exact same course and did, did a lot of the same a lot of the same subjects as me as well. So we, we did a lot of shoots together and um, and that sort of thing. Um, Were you hanging out together? Not really. Like a, a little bit like you know, if there was, um, you know, if there was a university social event or, you know, we had uh, some time in between classes or whatever, go and, you know, kick the footy or have lunch or something like that. Um, but nothing really like outside of university.
1: Did um, anything strike you about his personality? Yeah. Um, Or his character, I think the
0: the the main thing um, that sort of gets you with Lucas is is just how excitable he is, Um, and he's just he's just on all the time, you know. And it's just really like um, in your face, on excited about everything. It doesn't matter what the topic is. It's um,
1: he's passionate.
0: He's yeah, he's he's just passionate, and he he loves just talking about anything and everything. And um, you know, he, he has a really good general knowledge of, of most topics. Um, yeah.
1: Would you call him attractive Like in in, in the sense that he's a person that attracts people's attention and attracts you to want to talk to him or be around him? Maybe not necessarily at the pub, but just generally. I, I think certain people, but I think also he
0: probably rubs a lot of people the wrong way as well. Um, probably I'd say a lot of people would find him quite arrogant to the point that they may not want to have or continue conversations with him.
1: As an opinionated?
0: Um, Just maybe a little like overbearing, a little, you know, when you just want to have like a casual conversation you've got that one person who who takes it like really, really seriously and, and really intense and it's just, you know, just too much. Just calm it down.
1: Yeah, you know. so yeah, I know those people. So um, and, and so you're you you so you're in the ABS and you're working in the uh, time series analysis. So what were you looking at in the terms of the time series analysis? What what data sets? Yeah, so um,
0: retail sales is one of the big ones. Um, building approvals, um, the labor force, so employment um, data, unemployment wages. Rates, wages. Um, all those sorts of the, the probably the big, the big like leading indicators, um, the major announcements um, that, that come from those, we pretty much worked on either you know directly um, from myself or someone within our um, reasonably small small team.
1: And when you join up something like the ABS, and I've always been fascinated by this because you know the ABS puts out its um, releases data. I don't know. Some things monthly. Some things sorry. Some things quarterly. But it has its own rhythm. Um, and a lot of these things um, are really relevant to how inflation gets um, addressed by the RBA. And more and more relevant how markets react in terms of the Aussie dollar. It could be the Aussie dollar. It could be um, you know, interest rate trades. It could be share market, etc. So and as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, but the ABS only, we all, everybody in the whole world, including the government, the treasurer, the prime minister, the, the governor, the RBA, we all see the, the numbers on the same day, the results on the same day. ABS sort of just, um, puts it out on the website, abs.com, Statistics.com.au and the whole world sees it on the same day. Did the ABS, when they recruit you, sort of tell you like, uh, hey guys, uh, Anything you see here has got to be kept in-house. I mean, and how hard is it to control that? I mean, how, how do they work all that? Or do they break it up such that you only see little bits? I mean, how does it all work? Yeah, it's, it's it's a good question because, like, I don't really remember
0: there being any sort of emphasis on that. Disclosure. Yeah, yeah like, I, I think, like, maybe the first day, you, you, you went, when you sign your contract or whatever, you probably signed something. A, yeah. You know, Yeah. That, little, little print or whatever saying, don't do this, don't do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they just, they'd never really, I guess, come across something like that. And then I think because of that, they probably just didn't really have much in place. And um, you're right, because there's there would be hundreds and hundreds of people there who would have access um, prior, you know, two to three weeks sometimes. And it may not be, you know, two weeks out, the data might not be the the final number but generally it's going to be close enough to if you want to do what you want to do um so yeah i they had a few like measures in place but it wasn't really
1: and would um, you have to go on hunt for example if you're working in the time series analysis of the data for for example for the unemployment number um which is particularly important at the moment in Australia when it comes to the Reserve Bank's position relative to what they're going to do with interest rates. It's one of the the big ones they look at, along with the wage price index. But would any person be in a position to see what is going to be within a range of variation, but, like, what will the final number be? Or do they sort of have everybody broken up into different parts and so, like, no one person at the ABS could actually gather this information? Uh,
0: no, like, like, for, me, for example, I could see everything.
1: Because you could just access on the
0: – Yeah, I mean, like, my job is literally to come up with that final number. Right. Essentially.
1: Right, okay. So you, you were um, the guy who had the final number. But they didn't, yeah, but they didn't split yeah. you up. Uh, no. No. So it wasn't 10 of you or six of you?
0: Oh, well, I mean, like anyone, really anyone in my team um, could jump on and, and see that.
1: They had access to it. Yeah. Like uh, authorization. Yeah. And, and and I mean, today, we. I a mean, while ago, we are talking about when this will happen, But today, just in my environment, our compliance department is just all over everybody, like for data, yeah. information, but like nothing at or- all. Nothing should leak out, um, and everything's being continually audited, both in a software sense and in a physical sense, by internal auditors. Did you have? Did the ABS have big compliance departments that you knew about? Can uh, you say, let's have a look at your file here, Chris. What are you doing?
0: Yeah, no, not not that I ever uh, remembered. I don't think I ever had a any sort of interaction with anyone. I, I think that, like, I think probably the big difference is like when you're talking about. You know, data and data leaks and things like a, a lot of the all the ones you hear about is you know massive files on clients and this sort of thing yeah. except at the abs what you're talking about is like a single number you know so it's something that like for example i couldn't take all the client data out in my head i'd have to do something like put it on a USB or, or like send it out somewhere or whatever and I think the difference with this is um, yeah if you can remember one or two numbers uh, that's that's it and um, it's 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 I guess a different type of privacy breach than um, what's normally talked about in that sense
1: so how, how old were you when you were sort of in this position?
0: uh well 21 pretty young 21 to 24
1: pretty young yeah like very young yeah um and all of a sudden you see there's no look no big brother looking over your shoulder and you see this information were you aware enough as a 21 22 23 24 year old were you aware enough of an opportunity that might exist if you had this information
0: I, I had no idea no idea. Time, no, but back then, no idea. No idea. Because there was there was no uh, there was no link between what, or at least at the ABS, between I guess what we were doing and the actual announcements coming out. You know, it was like our team was very much all right. Like this is we're doing our part, and then it goes on to the the next department, and they do the releases. And so there, there was never like really a a great connect between those two um at least not in my eyes it was never something i'd i'd looked into um really so i mean yeah it would have been obvious for someone who was in knowledge and in that sort of sector or whatever um but for me it it didn't it didn't mean anything really um at the time
1: so take me to the obvious place i mean you can build a bridge from me here like did Lucas contact you and say, "Hey, mate, what are you doing?" I mean, how did that all come about? Like,
0: yeah, yeah. Essentially, we were just chatting. Where um, the pub was? We, we were chat. Yeah, we were chatting. Uh, down at, uh, down at the beach. Uh, at you just a, bumped um, into him. No, we had a we had a birthday party for for a university mate. Um, down at a holiday house on on the coast somewhere. We were just chatting about our our work, what we were doing. Um, and, you know, he was, uh, he was at NAB at the time working on the foreign exchange desk. Um, Which means what? So, I mean, he was essentially um, like he was right in there on the, you know, the dealing desk, um, dealing with the, you know, the big banks, et cetera, putting big, big trades on for them, et cetera, um, in, the, in the foreign exchange market.
1: But basically, dealing in foreign currencies exactly yeah relative to australian currencies yeah so
0: not just not just um, uh, australian but you know any sort of international currency yeah so
1: if and if you know if he was instructed to buy us dollars he bought it with australian dollars yeah but there's there's always a an opportunity, there's always a better time to buy or a better price to buy at based on how markets set prices yeah and, yeah. and to some extent you know, banks set prices to some extent because if their trades are big enough. But generally speaking, they're always trying to do the best deal possible, buy, yeah. buy as cheap as possible. And to some extent, they get recognized internally for how well they do um, and, and can get a reputation for how mm. well they do. So he's he's telling you that's what he's doing. He's working on the foreign exchange um, desk of a bank, major bank. He, You tell him what you're doing. Did... Uh, the light bulb go off on anybody at that point
0: i mean for him it was straight away
1: um well, did you see it do you remember the moment did you, did, did you see you knew him well enough i mean did you see his excitement or was he oh, just he always got, excited? he
0: got very excited he did got he? very excited yeah but um it like it sort of seemed like a joke you know at the time it was like you know it was like oh you know we should like you know, we can use that and, like, make him some money and, like, and we were all drinking and laughing and, you know, it was, like, certainly didn't seem to me like a serious conversation, you, you know. It was just a, everyone's just talking shit, basically.
1: Yeah. The typical young guys on the yeah, drink. Yeah, just a, a, drink. a
0: bunch of guys drinking and yeah. carrying on. So.
1: so I hope you don't mind me asking these detailed questions, but, like, it's I'm just intrigued as how do these things sort of evolve and how they're built. At what point did he say... Hey mate, uh, did you ring you back up and say, mate, let's have a coffee, like without all the other boys being around and, uh, and girls? Uh, let's just sit down and talk this through. What happened?
0: Yeah, I think uh, I, I think it was probably a, a, a few weeks later or, or something, and um, he called me, and we had a bit of a conversation, and then it kind of started to sing in that he was actually sort of serious about this, and that um, I guess he. He explained it to me because, like I said back then, I I I wasn't in that industry and I didn't really understand how it worked or or what um you know to what extent uh, you know these um these releases meant for those sorts of markets. I just just had no idea back then. So yeah, we met uh, probably I think we met back in Melbourne a couple of times and and went over um, essentially what you know he was suggesting we could do um, with. You know, a, a small amount of um, you know startup money, so you call it, yeah.
1: So, can you just tell me what you guys concocted then? Did mine <laughs> yeah, what, no, no, what, what did you? What did you? Did you decide to do?
0: Yeah. So, um, we basically decided that we would put uh, ten grand into a, um, a, a CFD account um, with a with a broker and um, with a, a foreign exchange broker, and basically. Uh, it was pretty simple. It would be, um, he gave me a few of the announcements that, um, you know, he, he said were significant, you know, the, the retail sales, unemployment was always the, the massive one. Um, interest rates, you know, CPI data um, I never had access to. So that was just, I guess, out of the question. But, yeah, so the empl- employment rate, et cetera. And, um, yeah, we just he just said, you know, if, if you – give me the information you know a day or two before or whenever you get it um he said he'll he'll put the trades on because he'll know which way it's gonna it's gonna move when the announcement comes out and then he'll um sell it afterwards um and should be able to make um i think we agreed to 200 grand at the time all together all together 200 grand let's make
1: 200 grand let's
0: make 200 grand over 12 months um you know, he's saying, "Well, keep it small, um, under the radar in this, you know, in this industry, it's a tiny amount of money. Um, you know, it won't, you know, ten grand here, twenty grand there, It's, 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 it's nothing in that. It's, it's not going to go noticed. Yeah,
1: you're not going to make two hundred grand in one shot. You're going to make ten grand, twenty grand, just build yep. it up, yep. just do the trades, little odd trades, look like you're lucky, Yep. and uh, get a couple hundred grand." and what were you going to do with your hundred <laughs> like, what, what, uh,
0: yeah i mean it, it's, 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 yeah no not really like it, it um like it, even even back then f- even as a you know 24 year old it wouldn't it was never going to be a life-changing amount of money um you know because you know we even talked about oh he'll have to pay tax and then you know what there's like 50 60 grand left each or, or whatever so um yeah good question um I think for me it was a it was a bit of a, a thrill um, initially, and it, uh, it was a real sense of like achievement in a way. It was like something that we'd something we'd discuss, we'd put into plan, and and then started doing it, and you know, and it was working. It was successful, um, and it was it was a good feeling. And I think that's why I kept doing it. Um, at, at least for my part, because it was, yeah, it, it was a sense of achievement, um, something that immeasurable. Yeah, and and it's, and something that uh, you know, um, just that we had done ourselves from from nothing, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. sort of like
1: a startup in some respects. <laughs> yeah,
0: a little bit. It was like a, like like a little startup. Yeah, and and
1: did you did you get closer to him? Like, did you become better mates?
0: Um, not, not really. I mean, I was, I was always in Canberra. He was, um, he was back in Melbourne and the, the only conversation we literally have is like, I'd, I'd call him once, once a month, um, or, or a couple of times a month, depending on when the, um, announcements were going to come out and just give him the figures and that, that was it. Um,
1: didn't it was, you ring up and say, hey, mate, we smashed it. We got, we just did it. We just made uh, our best uh, like, week.
0: I mean, we'd, we'd, um, yeah, he, he'd. Typically, um, call me the the night after, um, and let me know how much money he'd made. Well, at least tell me how how much much money (laughs) you made. (laughs) Yeah, wasn't telling me how much money he'd made. Um, But uh, that was it. There there was still never any, you know, social interactions or catching up really. Um, Apart from you know, one or two times back in Melbourne. Um, But that was it.
1: So tell me, what was he doing on the side?
0: Yeah, so he'd um, he'd opened up uh, two or three other accounts, um, and you know instead of putting on small trades making ten twenty grand, he was putting on very very substantial trades and making you know hundreds of thousands in you know in a few seconds, um, up to half a million a million um, you know within thirty seconds a minute sort of thing. Um, at at the end, that's, that's the scale it was. Um, and, uh, but yeah, the, the reporting back to me was, you know, we're up to 80 grand, 90 grand.
1: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The
2: future isn't scary. Not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility.
1: Invesco Distributors, Inc.
2: Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place.
0: you know, I, I still like I left all the, the trading and all that to him. I, I didn't I didn't understand it at that time. I didn't really have an interest in it. Um and so uh it was very easy for me to just believe that. I, 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 I didn't know that it could scale to that extent, I guess. Um, How
1: did you find out he was he was scaling for himself? Uh, I found out the day I was arrested. Oh, you didn't know? I didn't know. Did you did you ever get any of the money out of your trades? Did you ever actually withdraw any of the money out of the? however much money you guys are going to make?
0: Uh, I got twenty grand cash.
1: You took twenty grand out. Yeah. And the rest of it was just stayed in there for trading, for working capital.
0: Uh, basically, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But yeah. um, what was he doing with his money, did you know? uh
0: yeah, he's um, he was making some, <laughs> making some uh, some pretty big purchases. He, he bought one of the apartments from the block. Or the, the winning apartment from the um, series of the block um i i i don't think he was i mean that was obviously splashing out but I, I think i don't think apart from that he wasn't really splashing out too much um at least from from what i've heard um i, I do know there was there was definitely a lot of talks about purchases and things um but, but I, I think in that sense Again, all the all the money was still just sitting um, in one of the trading accounts.
1: So, how did you come undone? How did the whole thing just sort of fall apart? What happened? Uh, we we got um, we got reported
0: to ASIC. Who, who reported you though? Um, so the he was he was head of sales, uh, Joel Murphy. He was head of sales um, at Pepperstone, um, and he um, you know either himself or the Risk team would have picked up the trades as, as an anomaly.
1: Why would they an anomaly though? Um,
0: they're an anomaly in the sense of the 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 amount of money being made. For a start, this is a retail broker. This is not you know institutional. So you know at a retail broker, you know anything sort of over 10, 20, 30 grand is is a reasonably large amount of money. Um, so the fact that you know he was making hundreds of thousands per trade wasn't losing very often there were a few sort of dummy trades that were placed um, to potentially make the trading look more normalized but um, just the sheer scale of it would have had everyone looking into it and and, um, you know it would have been from from their point of view um, very obvious with the fact that all the trades were done over these major news announcements.
1: And did, did, can, uh, I, I wanted to ask you, Chris, did, so on the account that you guys had, did it have your personal name?
0: It was under his name.
1: Under his name, yeah. So they did. They wouldn't have known if they're looking at the account that, Oh, hang on, there's this guy called Chris who's working at no, the ABS. No, So they didn't want to put that part together?
0: No, so everything, um, yeah, everything was just under Lucas's name. Um, I think they looked him up um, on social media just to – I so, say, who's this guy? How's he got so much money? Um, and then there was a connection made between me on his, I think Facebook or LinkedIn, about um, where I worked, which was ABS. And then I think they put two and two together, um, and uh, ASIC was contact, contacted at that point, And then ASIC escalated to AFP.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So your your undoing was social media. At the end of the day, you know, like uh, <laughs> I mean, it was or it him was, linking, yeah. but linking you, but them linking him to you through social media, and then then looking at your LinkedIn account or something along those lines,
0: something like that. Yeah, and
1: yeah. that's a typical sort of compliance process. Yeah, and this is the compliance at the, uh, uh, the broker.
0: Yeah,
1: so the brokers I mean, cause they're always checking these things out, especially when a couple of young guys are doing so well. Like it looks a bit odd. Yeah, and uh, and the anomaly that you're talking about is here is a young guy killing it. No uh, outward signs of uh, Ferraris or whatever. He wasn't. He wasn't actually, uh, you know, um, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street in some respects. I mean, he wasn't smoking cigars and and (laughs) snorting cocaine in public or something like that. He wasn't doing that shit. Um, Yeah. So, but they they just did their normal compliance checks, and then they they found the both of you. Asic, did Asic talk to you, or did the AFP come straight up?
0: Uh, well, it was, um, yeah, both ASIC and AFP,
1: like joint investigation. In so what happened? Um, I remember the day? Yeah, I remember the day. <laughs> or night. What, what do they, where did they come in on a Saturday, Sunday, Monday?
0: I came in on a Friday morning at about 4 a.m., I think. 4 a.m.? Yeah. Coming to your house? Uh, yeah, came to my apartment in Canberra. Um, I think I'd only... I think I only got home at about two. Oh. Uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty rough, and and um, just yeah, just obviously lots of banging and screaming, yelling to to open the door. Like um, I came in with I don't know five or six of them, and um, then they brought a dog in uh, or a couple of dogs. Um, and even even when they you know they first started talking to me, showed me the um, the search warrant initially. Yeah, initially, I I honestly thought that they'd come to the wrong house. Um, I think probably a combination of being, being in shock. Um, and, and probably, yeah, probably still a little intoxicated potentially. Um, and it was only, yeah, when I started reading through the actual, actual search warrant um, that, you know, I just kind of dropped and I was like, shit, this is a... Did they handcuff you? They, not at that point, no. They, they... Um, uh, they took me back they took me back to the to one of the um stations there and that was when I was in the back of the car that um, it actually came onto the radio and that's when yeah that's when I heard about the you know seven and a half million dollars of, um, of, of profits and so that that was me hearing the amounts for the first time um, and initially though I was just like oh that's just that's media you know that's nowhere near seven and a half million like yeah. um but uh yeah and, and then it was you know a face to face well you know an interview um with afp um which you know which was just on a no comment on interview on my behalf um but yeah they, they were then talking about that the amounts of money and, and this sort of thing and that's when things I, I guess for me started to, to click that um, you know this is potentially a lot bigger than, than I than did I did you get thought a lawyer? I did, yeah. Straight away. Uh who'd you yeah. ring? Who did I ring? I I mean I didn't know a lawyer. I what didn't need Mom a lawyer. <laughs> I didn't I I spoke to, yeah, I spoke to mum and dad um the I think that night. Um I I'd been locked up at that point um in like a holding cell uh, underneath one of the, the courts um, in canberra um and yeah I, I i spoke to them um and and you know basically well didn't didn't say too much really but um, the, the main gist of the conversation was that can you can you sort a lawyer out actually <laughs> um because up until that point um i had spoken to a lawyer but it was just like he just said, just shut up! Don't say anything, and that was about it. So, did you get bail? I got bail after two days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the first night I was I was in Canberra, and then they flew me. They flew me to Melbourne the next day. Um, Handcuffed. No, no. So. Um, but it was it was interesting going through the airport because there was you know there was media and cameras everywhere and then they took uh you know they took me to sort of a area away from the public and you know we got on the on the plane last I think we actually went I, I remember going through some like tunnels or something and popping up somewhere and then going to the back of the plane like when when everyone was like already on board um but uh, so you weren't hanging out in the lounge. Wasn't hanging out in the lounge. No free drinks, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but yeah, then the, one of the, the AFP blokes with me like had the was reading the paper, and then it was like front page. Yeah. How
1: did you feel at that stage? I mean, I mean, by the stage you got to have your hangover, I guess. Well, maybe you didn't. And how did you feel like? What, what was going through your head?
0: I think it. I mean, obviously, I knew it was very serious at that point. Um but I reckon I was I was still very much in shock. Um it things hadn't things definitely hadn't sunk in. Um and and probably didn't for a couple of days. Um probably once once uh, once I got bail and went to see um the the barrister um that, that had been organized. That's that's when things really started to sink in um and the gravity of the situation you know in the first the first you know five minutes of speaking to him um essentially we decided that i'd be pleading guilty um you know and in that in that same five minute conversation it was like you'll definitely be going to to prison so
1: and what was the charge? Um, the actual charge, or charges?
0: Uh, there was initially it was about fifteen. Um, you know, when they first like they yep. throw everything at it. Um, but what it boiled down to was um, insider trading, which was uh, obviously the big one. Um, abuse of public office. Um, that was for the the breaching of information from the ABS, um, and then. Um use of identity information, which was essentially using a using a phone that was in someone else's name
1: right well, So you had a, like a burner
0: like yeah. a burner phone yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, you had one to is it use that to correspond with him
0: yeah yeah we did yeah, yeah. um i think uh, well not from the start i think he registered them um a few months in under i think someone from work or some, or something um, and just and just gave me one of them when we were in Melbourne. Um, it seemed, I don't know, to me it seemed very like over the top at the time. But because um, I think back then, like the the seriousness of what we were doing,
1: probably to me wasn't uh, that apparent. Um, do, do, can I ask you a question? Do you um do, do you put that down to naivety, or do you put that down to is that your personality? Um, you. Don't really register the importance of things um i th- i think I
0: think there's probably a little bit of both like initially initially obviously, there was a lot of me thinking back and forth about the consequences et cetera and like i I definitely knew that what we were doing was was illegal yeah. like like a hundred percent, and I knew that um, so it took a long time for us to start the process, probably because of me. Um, but then once we did, it very quickly just molded into like a, just, just a habit. Business as usual. BLU. Yeah.
1: And, and. Um, you weren't getting, you weren't getting a high off it.
0: No, I wasn't, it wasn't getting a high, but it was, it was when you make, um, when you make a decision over and over again with zero consequences, it stops becoming a decision. Yeah, you, you just do it. Yeah, it's a bit um, like um, I mean,
1: if you're a if if you like to do coke every Friday night, and every Friday night you ring up your coke supplier and he turns up and you buy the coke and he gives you the coke and you snort the gram with your mates and yeah, and you cost you whatever it costs you for, for whatever it is, and then you do the exact next Friday, nothing ever happens, mm. no bad consequences. It just becomes that's what I do Friday nights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my mates get pissed, drink vodkas, and do yeah. coke.
0: And I mean, you know the if 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 that's what you're doing you know probably the first time you do it you're very hesitant yeah um and like you said after that it just
1: you just do it yeah it's it's interesting how the brain works um and once the risk goes out of it because it's what you do and nothing no consequences um you just keep doing it yeah other people though do it for the thrill so i mean that's not you though you were saying i'm not i'm not i wasn't a thr- i am not a thrill seeker as such do you yeah. think he was doing it for the thrill because he's obviously dealing in much larger numbers <laughs> Um, I think probably a little bit of a th- the thrill
0: for him, but uh, I think very much the, um, the money was the big impact, uh, for him. It was a pure, you know, it was a, a pure business, not not business, but you know what I mean? It was a, it was a transaction yeah. that would, uh, enrich him. that would enrich him. And, and, you know, if, if all went well, he would come out potentially with $10 million
1: yeah. um, or more. Yeah, so because that that was the thing I was going to ask you. Do you think, did you at any time or or did you at all times do this out of enrichment or just because I want to enrich myself because we're only talking about 50 grand potentially half the tax um, and you only have got 20 of it. Um, Was that your thinking for enrichment, um, using information illegally gotten for my own personal enrichment or was it, I'm doing it just because we talked about it and I'm doing it.
0: Yeah, it, w- it wasn't the uh, like I said the mo- the money was 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 small and and I knew that. Um I think for me it was uh yeah it was like goes back to that sense of of achieving something and it it um it it felt good that it was it was successful. You're a winner. Yeah. Uh it, it was yeah again like putting something in place you know executing it and um, being successful and there's probably a small part that was like oh you know other people you know other people like that I'm working with they're not doing this you know it's it's just me doing it you know and it was um, yeah it, it, it was a, a, a good feeling but but monetary wise for me wasn't uh, was really a driving factor in in the probably initially you know the 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 thought of oh you know a 22 or whatever I was, you know, come out with 50 grand. I mean, great. Um, But as it continued, yeah, it was more about that that success.
1: So you you both get nailed. I I presume he got nailed as well at the same time. You find out that he's been doing big trades. It's the anomaly, the anomalous nature of the trades, particularly given they were larger trades and the, the anomaly that they were... Mostly successful. That sort of drew the eye of the compliance department for the trading accounts. That sort of created the investigation, which created the outcome, which you end up getting charged for and convicted for. Did you at any stage and think, "What a fucking idiot!" Like, why did he do that? Did you ever think that? Oh yeah, yeah. And did you say anything to him? Uh We, I mean, yeah, we
0: we obviously discussed it, uh, but I mean, I. I didn't see him like until um, we were um, convicted. Basically, I mean we we weren't allowed to have contact um, during during our time on bail. I think yeah, the first time, one of the first court appearances after we got remanded, then we were both in the um, in the holding cell together. Um, You know, it was just sort of like an icebreaker. Um, He was just sort of like, well, I fucked that up. You know oh, he made the admission. Yeah, he was just like, Yeah, I really fucked that up. And um But I mean, yes, I was pissed off, of course. Um, but there was just so much other shit that I was dealing with that it was like my, you know, feelings towards him at that point just seemed so insignificant to what to everything else that was happening.
1: You're about to do time.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that I just didn't have the energy to, you know, to even go down that, so that do you path. Um, Did you forgive him? Yeah. I mean, I honestly don't have ill feelings towards him. You, know,
1: um, but, but you don't. You won't hang out with him. Is he still in jail, or is he? No, out? he's out now, and,
0: and no, I haven't seen him. How since long did you stay, how, how long
1: yeah. did you stay in jail for?
0: Um, I I was sentenced to three and a half years, and I did my minimum of two years. Two years, so you did two years. Um, how'd you do that? Tough.
1: I mean, where was it?
0: First, um, first four months was was probably the hardest because that was um, that was on remand. So if you're on remand, you've got to be in in max. Um, so the first four months was was pretty tough. Um. After that, after we got sentenced, um, I got moved to a, a minimum security, um, place, and and that was definitely a lot better. Um, still, obviously, still a really shit place to be. Um, but certainly from from the first four months, it was a it was a vast improvement. Um, and you know, I. Basically, just kept as busy as possible. I was doing some um, uni courses through sort of correspondence, um, that sort of thing, and I was writing lots of letters. Uh, going to the going to the gym like every day, religiously, getting really fit. Um, you had to work. I was I was uh, working as a baker in the kitchen there, making you know a, a few hundred loaves of bread a day, um, and, and and just. Then at night time, so I was just busy all the time, and that's that's probably how I coped with it. Just, did, he,
1: did he get a worse, a uh, uh, longer sentence than you?
0: Yeah, so he got seven and a half to serve four and a
1: half. So he got seven so, and a half on the top and four and a half on the
0: bottom, yeah. So, so, uh,
1: so he got essentially double what I got, And did you have to give anything? Did you feel compelled at any stage? I mean did you have to give evidence against him like that would have made his sentence longer uh,
0: well, not really because we both pleaded we both pleaded guilty basically right, right at the start um, we obviously did have um, interviews to get everything straight that's what happened but it was all you know essentially everything just the facts just, were agreed yeah the tested. facts were all agreed it was it was yeah there really was nothing Contested at that point, and then um, it was really just a, a matter of sentencing um, at yeah, that point. So yeah. um I mean, yeah, they are
1: obviously pretty upset. Um, but what was but it they, they were upset about? I mean, obviously they'd be disappointed what you did, you did all that sort of stuff. But like, what, what, have you talked about it with them? What was the big deal, like for them, really? I think they, I think they were worried more than
0: yeah. more than more than anything else. Um, you know, I think the way. Um, probably the way it happened, the way they found out about it was, was obviously a massive shock. I mean, it's never going to be an easy (laughs) phone call to make or get or see in the paper or, or whatever it is. Um, so that was probably one of the worst parts. Um, but then I think, you know, our, our, my lawyer was, was really, really good. Um, as far as. Putting everyone at ease as much as possible. Um, really good at like talking through the processes, next steps, what's going to be happening, what to expect, all that sort of thing. So I guess things were done to make that as easy as
1: possible in a, in a difficult time. So here we go. We got it. You've been convicted. You did your time. You know, what are you doing with yourself now then? I'm actually
0: working. Um, I'm actually working for the guy who is. Um, who basically reported to ASic um initially really so he's um he started his own his own broker um probably seven or eight years ago and after after i did uh, a podcast a few years ago um he he was on the podcast for for a little bit as well um he said he wanted to catch up with me um we basically chatted and he offered me offered me a job um so <laughs> that's
1: yeah ironic. that's
0: yeah it is it's 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 quite ironic and i've i've been there for um almost almost three years now so
1: you doing what are you doing so data analytics or
0: um it's it's in the it's in the risk in the risk so, side so yeah it, it's about as ironic as you can get i guess um
1: the risk being you're working in the department where the part of the business i should say where they are assessing assessing risks of, of people like yourself. Yeah, I mean that's that's one. Uh,
0: yeah, that's one part of, of of the job is looking for, um, I guess, suspicious
1: type irregularity.
0: Yeah, 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 irregularity, suspicious trading, not necessarily illegal, but frowned upon. Uh, card counting type, yeah. uh, you know, situations, um, and also, you know, the, uh, other risks like. Um, you know hedging of our trades and, and that sort of thing so there's a lot of data involved yes um, so I'm definitely still I guess using that um, you know that knowledge that I learnt um, you know through uni through the ABS um, just the applications um, vastly different obviously to to what I was doing previously
1: and are you doing anything else in relation to apart from this podcast I mean not, are you talking to people I mean you, you're helping others out you sort of Passing on your experience to others.
0: Yeah, I, I, I try to do um, a, as much as I can, or at least I take the opportunities when they come. I'm not actively, I guess, marketing it out and, and trying to, but I, I certainly love, um, you know, I've got quite a few contacts through universities now that, um, and I might do, you know, two or three of those sorts of, of talks a year. And they're the ones I really like doing it at, at the universities. I have also been trying to write a book and I say trying, cause at the moment it's just basically everything that pops into my head. I'm just back from, from that time until now essentially, and just putting it down. And, but it's, um, yeah, I'm finding it quite challenging, but Running is hard. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And yeah. Did, 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 uh, what have you learned about yourself from this whole experience? You're um, still only relatively young man.
0: Yeah, I I think like I've 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 definitely learned a lot of resilience. Um, that's probably a big one. the The other big one for me is probably just how important like the decision making process, like we were talking about before, and how the brain can play such a big impact in some of these, you know, potentially life changing decisions that you make. So like one of the other things I was doing is is designing a course around um, risk taking and decision making. And it's all about how process information, how when you come across new scenarios that if you don't literally sit back and think about every possible situation that can happen and how likely it is to happen, that there's no way you can make a good decision if you don't do that. But what you find is that most people don't. And that's- Especially young people. Especially young people, yeah. limited life experience at that point and yeah, it's um one of the things that I guess is is I'm quite passionate about and I'm hoping um to get that finished and and then do some more presentations on that and send it out to people.
1: Well we often hear about jail doesn't rehabilitate people and I'm sure it doesn't in a lot of cases. But um Chris Hill, it seems to me that um in your circumstances you are rehabilitated and uh I mean I'm I'm not making a judgment i just it just seems that way to me. And that you are trying to make, um, lead a different life and you've learned from what you did. And I really appreciate your honesty and your frankness and, um, you know, just sitting down talking to someone like you, I can see how that sort of thing can happen. I just, especially when you're 20, 21, 22, 23, the front of your brain not even properly developed, the part that makes the decisions. Yeah. And some people it doesn't develop properly into mid twenties and, uh, who knows any one of us could have done something similar if we had been if the seduction had been put in front of us at the time Any one of us testosterone flashing around the joint to you know appetite to risk relative to decision making ability um lots of people can make mistakes and uh and it's good actually to talk to someone like you who's made the mistake and you know acknowledges it and, uh, but actually tells us about the experience in proper, like real terms, what actually happened. So, mate, good luck to you. And thanks very much for coming and being so honest.
0: No, thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers, Mark.